Hello, listeners. About a year ago, I finished reading the amazing book, The Andreessen Affair, by Raymond E. Fowler. And as a lot of you may already be aware of, this is my most favorite alien abduction case. And ironically, it's really dubious if it has anything to do with aliens at all. The whole Betty Andreessen abduction saga is filled with so much high strangeness, religious symbology, out-of-body experiences, astral realms, even commonalities with fairy folklore and the whole Magonia stuff. And yet, when you read about this case in other books, people still try to make it out to be a classical alien abduction involving surgeries and greys and hybridization. This led me to create a whole episode, like an hour and a half long one, about the Andreessen affair about a year ago. And ever since I made that episode, I have not been proud of it at all. I was very, very snarky and angry because that case just brings up so many emotions in me. Ever since doing that episode, I have sliced and diced it and dissected it and remade it over and over again, and I am still not satisfied with the way I presented it. All in all, I'm ashamed of myself. I am ashamed of being angry. I am ashamed of ranting over stuff that I just hate in the alien abduction research world. So I deleted the episode and it's going to be permanently deleted because it is not really the type of episode and the type of approach and attitude for myself that such a wonderful case deserves. So I went back to my archive and checked the episode you are about to re-listen to. Back a year ago when I finished reading The Andreasen Affair and then read Missing Time by Bud Hopkins, I felt so ashamed of myself. Ashamed of ever being drawn into the world of alien abduction nonsense. Ashamed of ever believing that hypnotic regression could be an actual tool for retrieving memories. And ashamed of never believing in my own intuition that was constantly telling me there's something really fishy here. I re-listened to this rant I made a year ago, and it still resonates with me, and it still touches me very deeply emotionally, and it is very strange just how relevant it still is, even if I did it a year ago. And to prove how relevant what you are about to listen to is, I mean, last week, I started slamming down hard on Twitter upon some UFO alien abduction researchers who were praising David Jacobs' name. For those who do not know, David Jacobs is a prominent alien abduction researcher who is promoting very dark, edgy, and sexually questionable ideas about a hybrid takeover of humanity. And in doing this, he is also hurting a lot of people. One such person, my friend Emma Woods. This scandal blew up like over a decade ago, and Jeremy Vaney, the host of a Paratopia podcast, which he did back then with his friend Jeff Ritzman, helped bring this scandal to light and were slamming down on the David Jacobs apologists even back then, a decade ago. And still, we see people doing the same thing over and over again. And still, Jeremy Vaney had to barge in on Twitter and help me in slamming down on these assholes. <laughs> despite all of the work he did to expose the scandal, despite all of the work he did to condemn the use of hypnotic regression in alien abduction research, despite Emma resurfacing last year, allowing us to hear her story via Jack Brewer's book, The Greys Have Been Framed, or Erica Luke's having both Jack and Emma on her show to share the scandal. Despite myself personally and a lot of my friends interacting with Emma and becoming really good friends, we still have assholes to this day who keep regurgitating the nonsense of alien abduction researchers of bygone 
Dantes, and still perpetuating this idea that experiencers should be treated as lab rats, as scientific specimens, instead of actual people. So I think it is very important of me to share uh, this little episode I made a year ago, talking about how I have personally been affected by the realization that alien abduction research is not really all it is promoted to be, and that it has nothing to do with research and all to do with people's egos. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this very important little rant that still resonates to this day and I think, unfortunately, will keep resonating for years to come. Hey guys, so you may have noticed that recently I've been on fire, posting a lot of memes and comments and, you know, just trolling and doing my shenanigans, being very, very critical of the whole extraterrestrial hypothesis nuts and bolts crowd, but also criticizing alien abduction narratives and mostly criticizing the work of Bud Hopkins which many of you know was a pioneer in alien abduction research. That's just all me being my mean old self, but I've been thinking and thinking a lot, and I'm full of frustration, guys, and I'm very pissed off. And I thought maybe I should make an episode where I elaborate why I'm pissed off and why I'm so frustrated. So as most of us in the paranormal community or the UFO community or cryptid community or whatever, I have been interested in this stuff since childhood. Though I haven't experienced anything really until my adult life and even the things that I have experienced, I deny and I just say, oh, it's just my intuition. But I was always a kind of counterculture kid, I was always interested in things that nobody talks about. You all know I studied biology and, you know, biology is the number one thing <laughs> for me. It's not the paranormal. And even as a kid in kindergarten, uh, the teachers would ask everybody, what is your favorite animal? And everybody would say horses and kitties and puppies and blah, blah, blah. And I'd say worms and bugs, you know, that's the type of kid I was. So naturally, I would be drawn to the paranormal because that's the most fringe of the fringe. Or at least it was back in, you know, the 90s when I was growing up as a kid. And as I was, you know, a Bosnian refugee living in Canada, my parents didn't have a lot of money, so you know, I couldn't buy new books. I was taken to thrift stores by my father, and I was bought books for a buck or two, and the thing you find mostly in thrift stores are these very wacky paranormal books that nobody ever wants to read. And what was very popular back then in the 90s because of the whole X-Files zeitgeist was the topic of alien abduction. And I don't know why I was so drawn into this narrative, into this whole world. So the more I think about it, as a kid, I was never interested in technology. I say, I say I'm interested in biology, in entities, in beings, in life forms, not in fucking tech. And all the UFO books are about tech, about UFOs being, you know, flying vessels, but nobody ever speaks about the UFO occupants. No. So in order to learn something 
about the UFO occupants, you end up reading these books about alien abduction because that's the most closest encounter somebody has with otherworldly beings. So as a kid, as a naive and very curious child, I would gobble up this nonsense. But even as a kid, in this state of immaturity and juvenility, I would still feel there's something fishy to all this. But even as a kid, I was aware that a child cannot be correct and more smarter and more intellectually capable to come to conclusions compared to, say, middle-aged guys who are very big names in the community and who are writing these books, you know? So I'd play along with it and I'd accept their narratives. Yeah, this was all aliens from outer space abducting people and probing their assholes to creates hybrids and whatnot. I never understood why aliens would be obsessed with people's assholes and with creating hybrids, but you know, they use flashy terms, especially in the 90s, genetics and DNA and splicing and cloning and hybridization. I'm just a kid, how can I deny science? And of course it's science. These people are using scientific terms. One of those supposed scientific terms also being hypnotic regression. I was painted a picture that that you can gather evidence from people just by talking with them while they're in an altered state of consciousness where they're tripping balls on their own brain chemicals and experiencing things and telling you what they're experiencing. And then you, as the investigator, are interpreting these very subjective, very spiritual and psychedelic experiences as something that actually happened at face value as it is being told to you. Of course, of course, I as a child would accept this as truth because it is very material and very literal. And you know who thinks in a very literal manner? Children. Of course, when you grow up and become an adult and when you become a, an artist, an abstract artist at that, you are capable of comprehending abstractions and motifs and metaphors. Or so I thought. I thought if somebody who is an artist is talking literally about these things, then surely they know how to differentiate abstractions from objective reality. So I played along, and during my childhood, I was very, very obsessed with this whole alien abduction stuff. It was my go-to part of the ufology debacle, because as I said, I'm not into technology, I'm into entities. And how would I learn about entities then from witnesses who had the closest of close encounters with entities? who probed their assholes. As I grew older and as I moved back to my ho home country where there is no UFO culture and there are no thrift stores with alien abduction books, um, I kinda moved past the whole UFOlogy, alien abduction thing. I was more interested in cryptozoology and eventually, you know, I ended up studying biology and ended up being a biology teacher. So I was more invested into this material science thing. And only recently due to COVID, you know, as most of us, I started doing a podcast, my prior one, and it started off, you know, with biology. But the more I was talking about these things from a very abstract uh, perspective, the more this paranormal and UFO and alien nonsense started coming back into my mind. And the more it seeped into that very comedic, very abstract, uh, 
parody show that I did. And the more I think about these things from, you know, the aspect of not just taking it so seriously and having fun with it, uh, the more I became open to the paranormal again. And now it's my main focus. <laughs> I'm not studying biology stuff anymore. Obviously, now I'm dedicating all my free time to reading about the paranormal and trying to understand it. And as I am regressing back to my childhood in an attempt to appease the little boy who was never appeased by anyone, because you cannot rely on other people to provide you what you need in life. You can only provide yourself what you need. And I'm providing my childhood self what he needed. As I said, as a child, I was not physically, biologically, psychologically capable of thinking outside the box and thinking critically about these things. But now I am as a person who's almost 30 years old. And now I'm going back to these topics, which fueled my childhood curiosity. And I'm looking at all this from a very different perspective. And I'm pissed off. <laughs> I'm pissed off because I am realizing that even the doubts I had as a child, these ideas that what I'm being presented in these books from, you know, very established, much older and much more mature and understanding people than me as a child, I'm beginning to realize that all my childhood doubts were correct. And I'm beginning to hate myself in a way forever doubting my own logic. But, you know, I'm a cryptid-adjacent podcaster, and I need to be a part of the community now. I need to have followers on social media so people may tune into my show and listen to my bullshit. My show, which I'm not a, really proud of much now that I'm getting older and much more mature and thinking about these things much more deeply and from a different light. I'm becoming bored of masturbating this juvenile curiosity over cryptids and aliens and UFOs and paranormal nonsense and the idea that they should be uh, material things that exist out there, that the government is covering them up, that debunkers are, you know, assholes trying to hide away truths from us. The more I think about these things from this material point of view as these things being out there somewhere and you need to seek them and find the truth out there as Mulder would say the more I realize that this is something that I wanted as a child and it's something that most of the UFO and paranormal encrypted communities want something to be out there and everything to be material and real maybe all these people are also trying to appease their inner child. The more I think about it, the more I'm asking myself, why are we all closing ourselves up in this invisible cage of materialism and literal interpretations of a very absurd, fucked up nonsense that is obviously deceiving us and uh, obviously acting as a trickster towards us? Why do we still cling to these ideas that these things should be investigated objectively so we may be friends with the scientists who don't want anything to do with us. This has been boiling up in me for over a year now, and I'm constantly doubting myself. I'm constantly asking myself, is my intuition correct, or am I just misinformed and ignorant? Is everybody else correct? Should I view all this from the viewpoint of, you know, thousands of other people who are much more credible and much more established than me? 
I'm a nobody. And you know, then I read books like The Andreasen Affair, and I read about Betty Andreasen's very spiritual, very religious experience that is also, you know, an alien abduction, essentially. And I read about her being brought to a 15-foot phoenix by aliens, and that phoenix burning up and telling her some knowledge that she should pass on. This was all gained through, you know, regressive hypnosis. And then the investigator saying, oh, well, that part of the experience is a false memory implanted by the aliens via hypnosis. But you know, the probing and the medical experimentation, that's all real. That's totally material and totally objective. But the, you know, subjective, the abstract and psychedelic aspects, those are just fake memories. But okay, Raymond Fowler was a bit misguided while writing his first book and eventually he went on to abandon the ETH hypothesis and, you know, investigate near-death experience and their ties to alien abduction and he went, you know, the psychedelic and uh, psychic route of investigating the UFO phenomenon, unlike some other people. So after reading The Andreasen Affair I went uh, back to reading a book that I read during my childhood. Well, actually I read this as a child, Missing Time by Bud Hopkins, but as a child I was fascinated with his later Linda Cortile case, the Manhattan abduction where a lady was was transported into a UFO through her window from a whatever story apartment and there were like 20 witnesses who saw her being, you know, zipped into the UFO from the Brooklyn Bridge. I was fascinated by this case as a kid, but I could never get my hands on, you know, the third book from Bud Hopkins, Witnessed. So I thought, hey, before reading Witnessed, I should probably read Missing Time again with my, you know, fresh eyes. And the book was amazing. You know why it was amazing? It was a very comprehensive, very detailed study of how to fuck with people's minds, and how to totally disregard their personal subjective experience and insert your own bullshit narrative because you want to reduce abstractions and subjectives into material objectivity. Which it is certainly not, because the evidence you are gathering is supposed memories obtained via hypnotic regression, which we now know is a useless tool in regressing memories. It is actually a very good tool for brainwashing. But hey, who am I to judge? Because this was a very, you know, prominent individual in the UFO community. Everybody loved him. A sacred cow. Nobody ever says anything bad about him. He must be right because I'm a nobody from Bosnia who loved reading this thing as a child and is probably regressing back to his childhood and trying to ignore that I'm aging and becoming 30, you know? So hey, I play along with it and I post this meme like, oh, this book brings joy, and I put a picture of uh, Missing Time from Bud Hopkins, and uh, this does not bring joy, and I put the Philip Class uh, UFO abductions book that he wrote. And then I get a comment from a friend who says, like, Bud Hopkins' book doesn't bring me joy, but (laughs) you do you. And now I'm self-doubting myself, like, okay, I know something's fishy with this, but everybody's telling me there is nothing fishy to it, and this was a very awesome guy, and this is amazing work, and now somebody who I actually respect and whose show I love tells me that there is something fishy. I want to know what I'm missing out on. So I went on and uncovered all the shit that went on after 
Bud died, his former wife coming out with a lot of evidence uh, to the shadiness of his old practice, and also his association with David Jacobs and uh, the even shadier shit that David Jacobs did. For those who do not know, just Google David Jacobs and Emma Woods. The guy performed hypnotic regression sessions via instant messenger <laughs> and via calls overseas, and then during hypnosis asked a lady to send him her panties and to just forget about the whole thing and implanted memories of her being raped by hybrids because he has a fetish for this idea that we are being replaced by hybrids and that everything is so dark and edgy and evil. Well, after reading Bud Hopkins' book Missing Time, and though this was the first book that he wrote when he was just now establishing his, you know, theories, I can see how he started this whole thing of Greys abducting people for sperm and ova to create hybrids and very dark sexual stuff. A lot of stuff that reminds me of changelings and, you know, fairy folklore, but hey, nobody talks about that. Nobody makes those connections. Fairies aren't real, but butt-probing greys are, and hybrids. So I uncovered all this shady shit, and I realized that I should have just listened to my childhood intuition from the very start, instead of, you know, trying to fit in and be cool and have friends who think the same as me, so we can bond over these well-established false narratives. You know, it's just like fandom. It's just like Star Wars fans bonding over corporate manufactured products that are created so they may be tricked into loving these things. So they may be exploited for cash. But only in the UFO community there is no cash and we fans are being exploited to provide credibility to the researchers so they may feel important. Like they are doing very, very important work. People who are not psychologists inducing altered states of consciousness to victims, to traumatized people who have problems they want to deal with, or to people who have genuine experiences. Putting these people in that state and asking them, oh, what did you see? And the person says what they saw, and you're, okay, and when did you see the aliens? Well, I didn't see the aliens. Well, how did they look like? But, but I didn't see them. Were they the greys? Yes, they were. Hypnosis is a goldmine for a lot of these researchers because they don't need to seek uh, the evidence uh, that will support their claims. They actually generate the evidence for themselves. They use experiencers as dispensers of evidence for their false narratives. So I deleted that meme that I made where I was, you know, positive about Bud Hopkins' book because I was ashamed of myself. I wasn't ashamed of myself for being incorrect. I was ashamed of myself for ever doubting my own intuition. For the past year or so podcasting about these things and, you know, being in the social media communities, whatnot, of cryptids and aliens and bullshit, and reading how everybody thinks these things are real and out there, I felt either I'm the smartest guy in the room or I am mistaken. And being me with very low self-confidence, I go for I am probably mistaken and I want to know more and I want to learn. But if you're the only one in your vicinity, the thinking deeply about these things, there's nowhere to learn from. Everybody's citing 
Wikipedia, or if they're citing books, all of the books are bullshit. The books that appear on my Kindle feed are these books that have five stars from thousands of people and are so popular and are about, what, hybrids fucking with us and trying to replace us and bullshit like that. So either I'm crazy for thinking these things are not as they seem to be or as they seem to be presented or everybody else is crazy and it's most likely that I'm the crazy one. Anyway, I reached back to this friend. The friend in question is the podcast Six Degrees of John Keel and we started chatting about this whole alien abduction narrative nonsense and how experiencers are influenced, you know, by these researchers. How their genuine experiences are not heard and how genuine experiences are not technically things that are out there that you can touch and prove. Every experiencer's experience is personal to them. We all interpret these things that reflect ourselves back at ourselves and show us our subconsciousness and maybe there is some kind of co-creation going on between the paranormal and the witness. It is much more complex than people want to think about people who create podcasts and blog about sightings and cases that they get off of cryptid wiki. A lot of these things never reach even books, much less cryptid wikis because, as I said, personal experiences and a lot of people People just keep these things to themselves or share with like-minded individuals who will understand them, who won't force their own narratives upon them. So I was invited to guest on (laughs) Six Degrees of John Keel because of my whole ideas about the ties between Gaia hypothesis and the paranormal. And we ended up recording two and a half hours with a lot of cross-talking because we were both hyped and we were so excited about talking about these things. And... It was amazing, and it was a very profound experience. You can just go listen to their whole podcast right now. Like, I've been binging on it for the past few weeks and expect the episode with me to drop in a few weeks or so. But as I say, this was a very profound experience for me because until now I felt caged. I doubted my own intuition, something that I feel is very natural, that is outside of my own ego, you know? It's not what I want to believe, and we all keep saying, I want to believe, thinking that we sound cool, and it's not cool. If you want to believe, you are allowing your ego to drive you, and the paranormal is not about what you want, but what you probably need, and what is natural for you, and the intuition I'm talking about is something that just comes to me naturally. I doubt it a lot because I want to believe. And as Barbara would say on Six Degrees of John Keel, and as John Keel used to say, belief is the enemy. And now I'm saying that the ego is also the anchor. The ego which drives researchers to exploit experiencers, to harness them as evidence of their own false narratives. And you know, some of these experiencers and publishing their own books after the original books by the researchers who studied them to set the story straight and tell of their own experience, which has a lot of high strangeness elements that are constantly ignored by researchers. Bud Hopkins and David Jacobs and many other, you know, alien abduction researchers would react to anybody going into, let's say, religious or spiritual or psychedelic or psychic stuff as, well, 
well, no, we're not going to talk about that. Let's just talk about the aliens because the aliens are real. It doesn't matter what is real or not, because we're talking about experiences. If the influence is there and if it is creating a change in someone, then it doesn't get any more real than that, you know? It is your own personal reality. It's not reality that is shoved down your throat by others who you see as much more competent, much more intelligent, much more established than yourself. So why I'm titling this episode Stolen Time is because of all the years I've spent as a child doubting myself and accepting these, you know, well-established false narratives because, hey, others are, you know, better qualified at interpreting things much better than I am for myself. All the years that were stolen and self-doubt and keeping my intuition locked away and trying to fit in, fit in into a society of people who are incapable of just transcending and moving on further and expanding their own perspectives and asking themselves what the paranormal means to them, not what it means to somebody else and not what it means to their friends. So thanks to Barb's show, I was introduced to the work of other individuals who have a more similar approach to me in understanding this stuff. The approach of it all being, you know, subjective, it being personal, it being psychedelic and abstract experiences, more spiritually oriented rather than material and physical and nuts and bolts and flesh and bloods. People who will talk with Bigfoot witnesses and actually acknowledge that the witness saw lights or heard voices and not suppress that information in order to sell their account to their buddies so their buddies may think that they are a credible person. And I've chatted with some of these, you know, very interesting individuals. I've been talking about these things. I've been exploring what the paranormal means to me these past few weeks and what my podcast means to me because I am not satisfied with the content I'm putting out. As I said, I, I've been very frustrated and I use parody and satire to express this frustration and I cuss a lot and I mean and I troll and I yell at people, but I, I have come to the conclusion I've spent so much time so much stolen time yelling at those who refuse to understand and failing me failing to realize that it doesn't matter if other people understand or not just matters how I experience things and what place in my own life does all this, you know, phenomena fit into. Chatting with Barbara on her show was the most pleasant experience I've ever had podcasting. More pleasant than any episode I ever made for any of my podcasts. Chatting with somebody who is much, much older than me, much more mature, knows a lot more, has been in this game a lot longer, and uh, has spoken with many people, and is much more nice and tolerant than me. And I'm a person who likes to learn from my elders. I don't care about being the smartest person in the room because in that situation, I don't have any way to learn more. If you're the smartest in the room, you cannot learn anything more than you already know and you stagnate. You have no progression. But when you interact with those who are actually much more well-versed, much smarter, much more mature than you, and who also are nice to you and more tolerant and understanding, this whole world is open to you where you realize 
is there is so much that I don't know. The the universe has become this giant void of knowledge, and you have become smaller, and you realize that now you know that you know even less than you thought, and that there is much more out there to learn. And that is fascinating to me because uh, the only thing I care about is knowledge. I don't care about ego. I don't care about myself. I don't care about my podcast or making a name of myself. I I use a pseudonym. I only want enlightenment, and I only want to know that there is more out there worth digging for, and that my content can become much better, and that I can become a much better person, you know? I've been talking with my friend Red Pill Junkie, who (laughs) I've been uh, discussing a lot of deep philosophical shit with for the past few weeks. And I've been talking about this motif where I constantly create something and then destroy it and play with the rubble and that's how I learn. I mean, I had a whole podcast going on that I destroyed and played with the rubble and created this podcast and now I'm not interested in this podcast anymore. I I have this need to destroy it and see what I learn from its destruction, you know? And Red Pill Junkie told me that it's like us building sandcastles and we cannot expect that the sand castle will always remain the same um, as we built it because the tide comes comes in and just sweeps it away. But the main, you know, important thing thing is the journey, learning along the way, having fun, creating a new sand castle every day. And I'm thinking, I've been thinking about that motif, and yeah, it's it's very appropriate for how I feel about everything. I create these sand castles and they get swept away, but the sand is there. The sand remains the same. The sand is the overarching knowledge, the sand castle being just my interpretation of it and what I do with the knowledge and how I use it. And every time it's swept away, every grain of sand is just redistributed and reorganized into a different pattern. And I create another sand castle with the same sand, but each grain is now in a different place. And I can, I can view the these things from different perspectives and that's how I learn. Just how I learned now reading on the dirt behind alien abduction researchers and just how I learned from other people demolishing these sacred cows and me realizing that we are not infallible and we are all people and some people just, even for good intentions, get so deep into this rigid way of thinking that they only have tunnel vision and cannot see the the whole picture and just think the best way to help people is to reduce them to their own narrow point of view because they truly believe they have found the answer and will never find the answer. The answer is us, but there are a lot of people and I like to say we are all the same, but we all have different historical, cultural, personality contexts and shape these things into different forms and there are millions and millions of answers. There are as many answers answers as there are people. And if we spend too much time constructing the perception of the outside reality through our own answers, then we are blinding ourselves to all the other answers that other people may provide us. So yeah, I'm I want to transcend all this and I want to open up to new possibilities. Talk with people who won't be cramming <laughs> 
<laughs> the same narratives down the my throat that have been crammed down our throats for the last 70 years in the UFO community. I want to look at all this with a new fresh set of eyes and that's very ironic because in two or three days I am scheduled for eye surgery. So you know I'll be <laughs> during recovery I'll be listening to a lot of podcasts and audiobooks but yeah. A new set of eyes, a new beginning and a new sandcastle for me to play with. Thank you.